to part two of our conversation with Crystal about her novel, Legacy of the Brightwash. This conversation will cover topics like violence and sex, so if that's not for you, see you next time. Hard, oh, it's the hard-hitting interview questions now. Exactly. Crystal, as you may have noticed, the previous questions were mostly curated by Sarah from Twitter and also her own questions. But now you got some questions from me. I hope you're excited. <laughs> I am excited. Hey, Crystal. How come DILF is not a more commonly used term? You know, the unofficial answer is I don't know, and I wish it was a commonly used term. But my real angry woman answer is that men get to be everything and they're not, you know, reduced to just one aspect of their lives like women are. And once a woman becomes a mother, that is the only thing she is. So it's like really shocking that you would want to have sex with her. Now she's a mother. To clarify... Dilf is dad I would like to fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Versus Milf, which is mother I would like to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And see, it's like, it's shocking to think that a woman who's had children could also be a sexual being. Right. But right. men get to be sexual their whole lives without anyone being shocked by it. So I would say that's probably why it's not common. But I say we should, you know, objectify everyone equally. <laughs> <laughs> Equal which... opportunity objectification. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's our podcast slogan. <laughs> Can yeah. it? Can that be our new slogan? Yes. Strike <laughs> out the where we discuss books and other things too and just <laughs> call opportunity objectification. <laughs> where we discuss books and equal opportunity objectification. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> okay, this is not an entire nonsense question. In one of the very early scenes where we're introduced to Tashway, his coworker brings in a baby and Tashway, you know, holds the baby and calms the baby down because he is a father and knows how to do baby stuff and all of the entailing things. I know I am clearly not a child, child having person <laughs> with this description, <laughs> but you know, but yeah, uh, gosh, men holding babies. It's a good thing. Yeah. For a person who likes babies, it's a good thing. You know, in my experience, (laughs) men do really like holding babies. And maybe I'm just surrounded by some pretty great men. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's it's not it's not something that's reduced to women or not something that's exclusively women. Men like playing with babies too, because babies are cute if that's what you're into. (laughs) Right. (laughs) One of one of the reasons why I really pushed Lily to read legacy of the brightwash was because i was like oh she'll she'll like this aspect of toshway an awful <laughs> <Yeah>. lot <laughs> yeah. it's not that men don't like playing with babies it's that oh something something in my lizard brain just goes that guy he knows how yeah. to take care of children isn't that awesome yes yes it is <laughs> on the one hand it kind of sucks mm-hmm. that it's that shocking when you come across it. But then on the other hand, it's like, I will campaign to make, to bring more parents into fantasy. Cause I feel like, you know, we're people too. <laughs> we still exist after we, we make babies. So, and Tasha has been a father longer than I've been a mother. So it, it tracked that he would, he would have parent or he would have children. Well, it is a phenomenon. I've noticed <laughs> if you are ever in a shopping mall ever again, <laughs> fingers crossed uh and one little kid shouts mom or dad 
and just watching all of the heads you can see, swivel. Yeah, you can see yeah. the parents in the room. Yeah, <laughs> that one mine. Yeah. Yeah. The the really seasoned ones don't look. <laughs> it's only the new ones that look that yeah. that haven't kind of attuned their their psychic powers to their child's <laughs> voice yet. This is a very serious question. Oh, so I, I, like we need to like recenter on a scale from liar to Tashwe. <laughs> how into beards are you? Um. <laughs> I. The answer is Karim. Yeah. <laughs> no, no like, off the scale. I didn't even know it went that high. Yeah, see, I think Karim is higher on the scale than Tashoi because he's like, <laughs> he's got quite a lush, um, he's got the kind of beard that costume supervisors glue onto men to make them look regal and kingly. Like, he's got like full. So yeah, um, my, my taste—that's Crystal's husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if he, if he wanted to be involved in the podcast, so I wasn't going to name him. But... Too late. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, but that—that's my—that's my that's my, uh, my Twitter profile picture right now has him in it, and it's pretty it's it's pretty full and lush in that picture so he's, yeah he's anyway. your your beard inspiration <laughs> he is i knew nothing about beards until i married him and lo forever after tasha was described as a bearded man <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so fun how there are some things you can pick up in a book you're like <laughs> All right, author, ma'am. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, better better beards than the spanking in Robert Jordan's books. That's true. But that's I mean, we haven't read Ishmael's books yet, though. <laughs> well, okay, but also if if you include spanking, I'm pretty sure you're gonna do it better than Robert Jordan. <laughs> it's not the inclusion of spanking, like it is here. the preoccupation with spanking. Yeah, that's that's true too. The spanking as a as a recourse between adults as like a punishment is weird. Yeah, that yeah. was our it should yeah. not be a punishment. It yeah. should be a consensual sex act. Those are two completely yeah. different things. <laughs> Ishmael's going to have consensual I'm looking forward to Ishmael's spanking scenes. <laughs> whether, whether he's the one doing the spanking or not. No, but... What if I was bluffing? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're committed to it now. Now you yeah. have to include it. I'm yeah, not Ishmael cutting this spanking part. And, and Kipler are now committed in, <laughs> into the series. And Kipler surviving. Yeah, yeah, Kipler surviving. <laughs> Let's hit my last question before we can get to the spoiler section. How do you pronounce this word I have only ever read and never seen out, like, heard out loud? Whinging. Whinging? What? Whinging. All right, thank you. That, that concludes have... my questions. <laughs> that does actually, I noticed at the beginning of your book, you have a disclaimer that says this book mm-hmm. is written in Canadian English. And yes. I was wondering, but like, did you get shit? <laughs> no, no. But there's people pick up self-published books and go go looking for errors. Mm. Mm. So Canadian English is a hybrid between the British and, and American English. So we use the um, we use the extra U's like the British English do, but we use I Z E at the end of words like realize mm. um instead of an i s e except that you pronounce it 
Zed. <laughs> yes, see, we are a hybrid. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving you shit at this point. I hope you see, know. I don't even remember which is which, though. Like, what? Wh- how would you pronounce it? Z. Oh, okay. Well, it's Zed. So. <laughs> <laughs> and color is spelt with a U. Yeah, well, I will. So I will agree with you there, but that's not. That's not how I'm supposed to spell it. Yeah. It's just something that someone advised that I put in just because people go looking for flaws. Just because people come come to us in the self-published community with this preconceived notion that we are of a lower quality and they look for proof. So that's just one of the things that I put in just is, to... So is, is that something that British self-publishers feel that they have to add? I don't or, think so. So, so it's specifically because you're in this kind of nebulous area of... I get that, though. If you're yeah. expecting one or the other, a hybrid yeah. will look like a mistake. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, I think that's generally what it is. Because it's like, I think people are used to switching back and forth because there are a lot of British fantasy writers for whatever reason. Like, there's a lot of people writing in British English. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's a lot of Americans. So just the hybrid of both somebody flagged something i i think it was a sensitivity reader she kept flagging some of my uh my canadian spelling on things just not realizing and i mean thank you but also <laughs> no i'm not wrong <laughs> so it was just it was just um cover your ass sort of thing yeah well i'm sorry that you had to include it um, <laughs> but oh, but also well. i i understand to be fair though we well at least i came into this book knowing crystal was canadian which is definitely context that helps for that kind yeah, of thing. I don't, but, that's the difference. Yeah, but but I don't know if that's something that I specifically notice. Something that you specifically I'm, link to spelling, I bet. Yeah, like, but I, I, feel, I feel like I'm so used to, at this point, reading both American spelling and British spelling in fantasy novels that I wouldn't necessarily pick up on or, or obviously pick up on the fact that one book is combining the two yeah i don't know about spelling but i definitely would notice slang although i think that's less of a canadian thing but if someone was like i think i've complained about this with crystal before even uh (laughs) yeah like boots and lifts versus trunks and elevators yeah someone was swapping between those yeah i would notice that and go yeah. what slang slang yes i agree with you there but yeah. i think it's consistent throughout the novel like i wouldn't necessarily think oh this this person is wrong okay. i would just but that's think- a, but consistent throughout the novel is the thing yes being right. consistently canadian could appear to be waffling in between <laughs> I, american yeah, and british I, that's that's generally what it is that was yeah. that's what i was that's what well, I was just well no what what i'm what i'm saying is that like if you are and I, but you don't I'm, go hunting for spelling errors, right? Well, that, no, 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 obviously yeah. I don't. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm saying like, so I'm I'm obviously not Canadian and I don't know how- I don't know, Canadian. you're really nice. You're <laughs> Canadian. Maybe, maybe I'm secretly Canadian. Yeah. But like, I, so I don't know how Canadian slang works, but as long as, as one word is consistent, like yeah. if you use boot throughout the, the entirety of the novel, even if your other slang may be- veers between american and british i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily notice that you were going from 
yeah those yeah you're building a world that way yeah yeah yeah. in a fantasy world i think that's probably true i would maybe say interesting choice and then move on yeah if it was supposed to take place in our world I would yeah, and if you were yes, yeah. yes, if if it was supposed to it like if it was urban fantasy, for example, yeah. which is and it's supposed to be a New Yorker and he's saying boot, then yeah, like that mm-hmm. that I would notice. Yeah, but if it's a fantasy novel and you say boot in one place but elevator in the other, because they're referring to different terms, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily going to make the assumption that oh, you're you're veering between U.S. and British terms. <laughs> Some people just like to look for. Flaws, yeah, though. I mean, some people are assholes. Yeah, <laughs> I did not say it. <laughs> we I'm can happy say to, it. I'm happy to say that. <laughs> Far too Canadian to say that on the record. All right, before we do move on into our delightfully spoilerful conversation, Sarah, why should you read this book? You should read this book if you want an interesting mystery with really compelling multi-dimensional characters and a lot of whiskey. <laughs> There's also a heavy dose of flirting all around. And yes, the sexual tension between Stella and Tashway is just like A+. Plus. I didn't even name those names. There's just a lot of flirting in this Well, book. there's yeah. there's a lot of flirting too, but like <laughs> this the sexual tension between those two is A+. Plus. And said mystery gets pretty dark. Yes. I think that should be said. It, it should be said. We we are having a really good time laughing and joking, but it, it's heavy and I know it. Mm-hmm. One of one of the things that we were that Lily and I were talking about before we started recording and before you came on was how she was really surprised at how <laughs> that you even liked it. <laughs> well, yeah, because so I'm not a horror reader and she was like wow, this is a lot of horror aspects to it. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm not a horror reader either. (laughs) That's my Dennis Lehaney influences coming out, though. He's he's pretty dark. I realize that I may be using the genre terms incorrectly. I don't really give a fuck what other people define genres as. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But uh, I would call mutilated babies pretty horrific. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my Dennis Lehaney influence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Saying the other day that it's like if David Gemmel heroic fantasy got thrown off the rails by uh Dennis Lehaney crime and grime, that's yeah. that's me. That's what I wanna that's the the target I'm I've always wanted to hit because the two of them are just so interesting and they tell such human stories, but also high highs with beautiful love stories, but also like <laughs> Yeah, related people. I mean, Brightwash. Like, I don't view it necessarily as a grim dark story. I'm not a grim dark reader, and I feel like the tone is maybe slightly different. But it has a lot of really dark points, specifically to the society in which they live. Yeah, and if you're not prepared for that, maybe you shouldn't read this book. But if you want a really great exploration of that. Like, this yeah. is the book for you. Yeah. Don't come to this book if you just want smooching. Yeah. Come to this yeah. book <laughs> if you want smooching with a, not backstory, but like... A bleak society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been pitching it. I've been thinking of pitching it as romantic grimdark, where it's like, it's kind of a, a hybrid of both. But I also think it's worth pointing out the romance plotline is not what makes it grimdark. Yeah, right. it's, like it's, that's, the, it's the society that makes it grimdark. Yeah. Right. But the, the relationships explored are all happy, consenting, 
<laughs> they're very human. not necessarily functional, but definitely no, not. But they are not the horror. <laughs> I think that's they, worth they are not the out. horror. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it is a societal bleakness that they're yes. facing, yeah. and the relationships. I was hoping give it a line of hope that carries through. Well, and something that I would really like to point out is that I really like how aware, how how much awareness there is of the power imbalance in some of the relationships. And that carries out through the characters and through the narration. And again, that's not something that you see in all of fantasy, you know. <laughs> You just finished reading Wheel of Time. I just finished really <laughs> reading Wheel of Time. Sort of yeah, power imbalance there that was perhaps unremarked upon. There's there's some power imbalances in, in that book, yeah. But it's it's really refreshing to see that at least commented on, you know, yeah. in in character motivation. It's struggled over too, like I don't know if that if that belongs in the spoiler tag, but I guess not because we've said who he is. But yeah, like. Joshua struggles over whether or not it's even right for him to pursue Stella just because of the power imbalance rather than him being, well, this is what I want, so I'm going to take it. I felt like that was important to address. I think it would be really easy to write a character like Toshua who doesn't have, and he has a lot of self-awareness. A little bit of self-loathing. <laughs> uh, well, self, self-loathing too, but, but like, at least the narration has a lot of self-awareness and it would be really easy to write a character that doesn't have that. And you know what? Um, he hmm. used to not have it. He used to be more in line with the idea of that's how men talk and that's how men behave. And then I met Kareem and I learned that there's a different kind of man out there and Tushwe got better as a person thanks to him. So I want to shout out to, yeah, my beard. <laughs> He made Toshua better because I believed, I, I used to believe that, that that's how men talk. But Karim taught me that that's not true. Not all men are <laughs> that awful. So he made Toshua better. So he he deserves props for showing me that a, a better version of man was available. There's so. a lot of conversation around the concept of toxic masculinity, but not a lot yeah. of exploration of what positive masculinity looks like yeah and i think that the male characters in this book absolutely display positive masculinity mm -hmm. yeah you can still be tough yeah and they don't always make great choices that's fine <laughs> they're yeah. human we're, we're still yeah. human and they can still be tough and they can still be you know sexual yeah. human beings and they can still they can still be they can still defend the things that they believe in but it's how they treat the people the women, especially in their <laughs> lives, whether they're treating them as objects for their pleasure or as fellow human beings. Mm -hmm. I would I would yeah. expand that to also what they take pride in. Yeah. Because there is, again, a concept of healthy pride. And yeah. what what are you proud of about yourself? And how does that manifest in how you interact with the world? It's really nice seeing male characters with those positive masculinity aspects yeah. because I, I think we forget that piece in a lot of yeah. it's easy to critique the bad stuff 
yeah well, of course it's yeah, yeah it's easy yeah. to point out the things that that don't work for us but then you know we need to examine the things that make us feel good as human beings too mm-hmm. just so that there's a model there and also just so that men who are trying their best in a world that tells them to behave a certain way and maybe that sometimes they slide that way but they are trying their best mm-hmm. they deserve props because the world is is or our society likes to tell them that they should behave a certain way. And a lot of the men who feel like, no, I don't think that's true, kind of get ostracized. So, you know, mm-hmm. there are other kinds of, of positive masculinity that I really enjoy exploring in all of the many men <laughs> that I write about. And I think I'm at the point now where every single one of my point of view male characters cries somewhere in their arc which is probably not true for Lorne yet in Brightwash, but it's going to be true soon. So, you know, let men cry, okay? <laughs> they can still cry. Yeah. Absolutely. To avoid spoilers for Legacy of the Brightwash, skip to 5025. If you have an answer to this question, I think it'd be a fun question. What part of this book made you cry? So I generally cry at the drop of a hat. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I'm I'm not one of those people who doesn't cry and notices when they cry. Like I just <laughs> I just cry all the time. Um <laughs> I think one of your answers the first time you read the book was the same as mine where Karen one was talking about being a uh, hot glass. Yes. Yes. Uh, that that is a really emotional point and I didn't cry reading that this time but I'm sure <laughs> that I would have cried, that I cried the first time when I read that yeah so it's it's more unusual if a book doesn't make me cry than if it, <laughs> oh, <laughs> if it does make me. that's how you know it's not working for you yeah so I'm not I'm not sure that I could pinpoint necessarily one specific scene that I cried at because there are a lot of really emotional scenes in this book that really like if if you have a heart that really just dig into you (laughs) (laughs) i tear up pretty easily but i don't think i actually like cry cry. oh i i cry (laughs) so while i teared up at many moments the one point for me that really got me was in the aftermath of the fire in the marketplace there was a woman who had lost her father oh. and Stella goes and sits with her. And that was, yeah. Oh my God. That's heart wrenching. <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many heart wrenching moments in this book. Like, God damn. Crystal, you good. <laughs> I think something yeah. about the parent death though, is that it is so, I mean, it's, it's inevitable. It, yeah. It's inevitable. It's natural. And yet. Yeah. It's it's kind of a scary thing to face. It's inevitable and universal and terrifying all at once in mm-hmm. one little nugget of, yeah. here you go, have a nice afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so that was a kind of downer way to start the spoiler section. Yeah. But <laughs> I make people cry for a living. <laughs> Yeah, but you do it you do it well. Uh, but this book also had high points. Yes. And and yes, Lily, it does have high points. You completely already answered this question. Do you have plans to delve deeper into these backstories? Yeah. Ilya, yeah. well, 
I, I really enjoyed Ilya figuring out Ilya and Amyas. Ilya lost kind of the love of her life. And at, at some point she says the best parts of her were buried with him. Mm-hmm. And okay. so going forward, I, I don't know if, if she has much more to say about her past, but going forward, a lot of that is going to drive her. Now, how spoilery can I get in the spoiler section? I guess this is for people who read it, right? So for Legacy of the Brightwash, you can spoil whatever you want. Yeah. So she's at the end of the book, she's pregnant. So she's going to have to face the new grief of realizing that she's finally bringing a child into the world, but it's not Amias's child as she always kind of imagined it would be. So going forward, we get more from her about the complexity and the longevity of her grief over him. And also Wolf too, because Amias is is General Wolf's son. So to him, in his mind, Ilya is already his daughter-in-law, even though she's not. So going through that journey of pregnancy with her is going to be like bringing his grandchild into the world, even though it's not. So yeah, I think she's got more to say. Well, it's not genetically, but... That's emotionally though yeah 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 Yeah. uh that's okay i definitely read that scene too quickly because i had not realized she had decided to keep it i i don't (laughs) think so i i read that scene this morning this morning (laughs) because i was uh leaving things well best time to have a conversation with you guys though when it's like fresh yeah Yeah. it's, (laughs) it's very fresh and i don't think that it's necessarily like at at some point i was thinking well is she keeping the child or not? It's not really clear yeah. that she decides to keep the child in Brightwash. It's <laughs> it's left a little bit open-ended. Surprise, she's keeping it. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so that is to say, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she has to decide what to do. It's kind yeah. of how I read that scene. I'm not surprised to hear that she decides to keep right, it. Right, right. It's it's not a it's not a surprise that she keeps it, but she's driven, you know, she's driven by her legacy and mm-hmm. what she's given to the future. So I guess I it never even occurred to me or to her. What she needs to figure out what to do is what to do about her actual husband, <laughs> oh. who is very much not the father of her child. So that that's her. Her journey of what she's willing to do. Well, that's how I read it. Now you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm okay. Now that we're in the spoiler section, I can talk about how much I love Ilya. Yeah. Ilya is wonderful and I love her, except that I also, as I've said, think that she's going to be a huge villain. (laughs) Okay, but because she's in politics, but her political rival mutilates babies. Doesn't yeah. that make her a good guy? <laughs> no, that I mean that doesn't necessarily make her a good guy. It makes her better than the other guy. <laughs> That's what you got. <laughs> but that that yes. in itself does not make you just because you're better than the other person doesn't mean that you are by default a good guy. Neither does being in politics make you a bad guy. No, yeah. but but she gives off such such bad person in politics vibes i disagree okay she's i mean i'm sure i'm not spoiling anything by saying she's in it she's in it for herself and the winds are blowing against the authority right now and she 
you know, she didn't know what the authority was up to, but she's in it for, for winter, for the legacy of, of her family and her business. Mm -hmm. So the wind's blowing against, against the future of the authority is merely incidental. And that is why she's against it right now. So she's a villain in that she's an antagonist to what Tashua is going to want in the near future. However, her actions will aid him. Well, that's, <laughs> that's my reading of the book that I have just read as well. If yeah, you don't yeah. want to get into spoiler future stuff, like her helping Tashue is like, yeah, yeah. she's doing it because it's going to help herself. That's fine. I mean, she's, she's very self-serving. Yes. And, and she's not, I, that's not what gives me villain vibes. Like it's, it's yeah. not the act. There's a knowledge being... that if, if the winds were blowing the other way, yeah. yeah 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 and that's a fair that's a fair yeah <laughs> like like and and i love her like i'm i yeah. don't want i don't want to to imply that i don't think she's a great character because i i do think she's wonderful yeah. and i love the depth to her that that she gets but also i'm pretty sure she's don't, gonna don't end trust up her. being an antagonist don't, yeah don't well i think her. she might antagonize Toshway. But I also think Poshway sometimes makes bad decisions, and maybe his antagonists aren't always bad. Well, well, yes, there's that too. But it's it's I don't think that she is an antagonist. Like you think, morally, she will be antagonistic. I I, th- I think that she would be an antagonist, even if I know Crystal's dying. Yeah, Crystal- you gotta let us work through this. Yeah, Crystal is dying. <laughs> Yes, I I think that she is in it for her own self. Yes, whether that benefits society or not. Yes, that and that, that's a good clarification. Um, yeah, because it's not just antagonizing Toshway; it's also it's whether or not Rainer and the Authority are morally right or wrong doesn't matter. What matters yeah. is that it's a sinking ship. Yeah, I don't think she cares about yeah. that in no. particular. You know, so. So I think that she goes along with whatever benefits herself. But isn't she pragmatic enough to realize that a system built on this garbage is not going to withstand the test of time? But I don't think she cares about the system itself. No, but that's fine. Someone doing a good thing for a bad reason is still doing a good thing. No, okay, but that's that's fine. (laughs) Even if she ends up doing good for bad reasons i.e. self-serving reasons i think that she would do bad for those same reasons yeah but i don't think she would considering what she knows at the end of the book no i think i think she's i think she i think she still would okay i she would but i think considering the where what i know has ended Okay, granted that last like page throws us for a loop. I don't know what's going to go on with that. Not even going to get into it now. I, in case anyone in the spoiler page. section section chapter, maybe it's not the last one, but for anyone listening page, who hasn't read this, Tashua gets arrested at the end is what I'm referring to. So that is a big question mark. However, I feel okay, Crystal, you're just going to have to like <laughs> You can make faces, but we, we have to talk about this. I'm sorry. We, we have to we have to work through this. So she has clearly been on 
Nathaniel Wolf, yeah. I think is his name. General Wolf. I feel like he might end up being completely self-serving. And we have only seen him manipulating Tashue until this point. So she has been helping him because she trusts him for whatever reason. Okay, I'm, I'm not. Or, or I'm not. Herself. I'm not disagreeing there because I do think that there is more to his character than the very upright general that that Tashue sees. But that doesn't <laughs> stop. That doesn't like stop the fact that I think that Ilya is also going to end up being kind of villainous. Like, like the- sure, General Wolf can end up being the villain too. <laughs> That's really that that's really interesting. It's this is like my favorite part about giving my stories to other people because you guys are picking up um things that I hadn't even considered. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to say you being here puts our debates into a whole different yeah. vibe. <laughs> and it's like I wonder how much to say just because like I love I love listening to it I like all my faces aren't because I disagree no I love it (laughs) because I want to say what's coming but then at the same time saying what's coming is like major spoilers I don't think Ilya would ever betray Wolf that is not the vibe I get from that book no she she loves him she loves him beyond the capacity that she she even knows she's capable of just because I don't think that she would betray him like intentionally yes However, like I, I think I think that she would work towards what she thinks he wants, but what she thinks he wants is not necessarily what he actually wants, because she is a very complex character who is driven by complex motivations, and he is a pretty straightforward, like genuine human being. Yeah. Okay, maybe the problem is that I see mutilated babies as a pretty black and white issue. Yeah. Maybe uh, that is revolutionary. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but the way Kaz reacts to it makes me think that the people in this world see it the same way if they knew yeah. what was going on. And yeah. now that this has been revealed, I think it completely changes. So we have seen Ilya acting without that knowledge. And yeah. now she has that knowledge, and I think that will change the way she acts. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta move on because we're gonna like give Crystal yeah. an aneurysm. <laughs> I I know what she's gonna do. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> All right, Crystal. Is yeah. talent a metaphor? And if so, what <laughs> it wasn't intended to be. A metaphor it was just my interpretation of how we use magic and I kind of linked it into some spiritual stuff that I believe in in our ability to kind of move the world and of course amplified because it's a fantasy novel but it wasn't intended to be a specific metaphor however people are reading it as a metaphor for queerness which probably makes sense <laughs> considering who wrote it where it's something that you're born with and it's something that may or may not really complicate your life and it's something that you have to kind of come to terms with and make decisions about some other people have read it as a metaphor for neurodiversity such as you know autism spectrum and adhd so it's really neat to see how people are responding to it in ways that when i step back and go yeah that tracks (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
because it's it's all things that you know we as humans have to kind of navigate our way through in various cultures you know us living in a uh, in a heteronormative culture have to navigate through any sexuality beyond that and then us navigating a world where we're generally see ableism as superior anyone who is differently abled has to navigate through what that's going to mean and it doesn't go away and it should be seen as an integral part of yourself rather than something that makes you tainted so it's really neat to see how people are reading it in ways that I didn't think of but totally tracks I have to confess I stole this question from Sarah. I did not write it. And and I have to confess that I stole this question from Connor. (laughs) Because I didn't write it either. He's one of the ones ones that read it as a metaphor for queerness. And when he said it, it was like, yeah. Yeah, I I believe that. That sounds like something that would be really (laughs) intelligent. And see, that's why I say I like... There's stuff in there that's happening that it didn't even occur to me just because of the the way I see the story. I, I see it at a different angle than readers are seeing it. And it's so interesting. And it's really, it's it's a gift to be able to see how other people are interpreting these things. It's really interesting to see how individuals bring their own situations yes. to to bear on the story that they're reading and yeah. how that plays out. And I, I think there's a lot of room for interpretation in the story of the talented yeah. in the Dominion. And it's such a powerful story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've used the story five times now. I'm sorry. <laughs> in that everyone feels othered for some reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what are you feeling othered for? Yeah, I could say that I intended it to be a metaphor for otherness and feeling apart from the norm, the current of your society. And if you, it is definitely an exploration of what it feels like to be outside the intended norm. So then anyone who feels outside the intended norm really connects to it. And that's, that's really, that's been a really beautiful thing to behold how people are feeling seen just because of how I interpreted magic so that was really cool I had to confess that I stole this question because I did not read talent as a metaphor I read the exploitation of talent yes as a a metaphor for how a how do I not use the word capitalism I think I have to humanity is turned into a commodity we like mm-hmm. how everyone is exploited. Yeah, we're all bought and sold on a commodity market to drive mm-hmm. the interests of our greater society. Yeah, and and that the exploitation of the human experience. The context for this question: the little girl who Toshway finds at the beginning, who has been mutilated and murdered, ends up being his ex partner's daughter, which we don't find out until the very end. And this question from Sarah, who I stole it from also, <laughs> shamelessly, is were you always intending for that first victim that Toshue finds to be? I don't think so. I think that's something that I realized as I was revising 
it adds so much depth yeah. to his horror over i mean obviously he he has a, a level of horror over what's happening because it's just an atrocity right yeah like like it's it's awful what the authority is doing to these people but there's a personal level that is added when he realizes that this is the daughter of his, his partner son's mother, yeah yeah his his son's mother it also makes it so much more concrete it, yeah because it, it, up it, until it, this point it's all been so vague it's so nebulous yeah it, it makes it a, a lot more concrete and it makes it a lot more personal for him and a lot more personal of a fight for him I don't yeah. think he needed it to be more personal. I feel like Tashway took it yeah, on. Yeah, no, he, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't necessarily need it to be more personal, but it became more personal. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, it was the piece that made it. Sorry, Crystal. I'm talking about your book before you can. No, but. it's good. I love it. I love hearing. I love hearing it. So go. <laughs> One of the main sticking points throughout his investigation was how much of this can I believe? How much of this can I prove? Yeah. And the one thing that he can, I guess he can't even prove, but he does believe is that K.O. had children. Yeah. And so being told that there's no record of them and then him finding a record that matches the definition of one of his sources of how to track parenthood, not parenthood, how to track the genealogy. Lineage, yeah. Thank you. Lineage. That kind of tied this all together of, at least for him, he no longer has that doubt of yeah some dots that he can connect yeah mm-hmm. and that that's that was where my my mystery thriller roots really came in. So Dennis Lahaney writes mostly private eye fiction, and it was something that I had to grapple with with the time period that it's not like he could run fingerprints and DNA like you would mm-hmm. in a modern day murder mystery. And him not having access to a a crime database and whatnot, like he just didn't have the tools to to really solve this murder in the same way that you would if he was in, you know, 1990 instead of 1890. So it was something that needed to happen to close the thread of that mystery. And so that him and the reader knows what happened and then bringing it into the closing the thread of Keo's life and Jason's life felt like a really important dimension just to bring some definitive confidence that we know what happened even if we can't prove it now we know what happened so yeah yeah your your read of it is really good <laughs> just the thank you <laughs> <laughs> some dots needed to be to bring weight to the the accusations in a way that fit with the time period and in a way that could be really compelling to the reader and and to the, the people in the book that okay this must be true and now I need to prove it one of the things that I really loved about this book was how so I'm going to use Caridwin as an example she might be the only example but all of the adults are very honest to the children, but not harsh. Yeah. They're still very kind at the same time. And that I'm not going anywhere with this. I just really liked that. Like yeah. she she's a kid in a really rough situation. Not rough, but a tense a situation. Yeah. Yeah. And 
shit happens. I think that you get, at least in a lot of other books, you get characters who are in similarly rough situations and they sugarcoat it to the kids who are around them. Yeah. It's nice to see that these characters are treating Caridwen as someone who has an adult agency and who deserves an actual response and not just a kind of like rote kind of yeah yeah everything's gonna be okay yeah Yeah. exactly but are children smaller than adults or are they just farther away (laughs) 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 okay but uh especially i don't Nope, I had something and then I made a joke and now I lost it. <laughs> the joke was worth it though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that it's it's nice to see a character like Curdwin who is given the agency of an adult, even if she doesn't necessarily have an adult mindset and an adult's, you know, point of view, but but she is given the She's given power over her own destiny. They're empowering exactly. her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There are so many stories, well, I may be conflating different media, TV shows and movies and books, but there are so many stories where characters try to protect children from the reality of their situation, and then those children obviously go off and do something ill-advised because they don't understand the reality. Yeah, I think it, it it's probably a lens of how you view children generally. Like, I mean, all children are precious, certainly, but our job is not to protect, well, our job is to protect yeah, our yeah. children, but it's also to give them the tools to protect themselves because inevitably they will not be children anymore. And I think some people treat child characters just as props to the story rather than they have to go get into trouble so the heroes have to go save them right yeah mm-hmm. yeah props to the story they're yeah, they're driving yeah. they're driving conflict rather than being <sighs> they're not people fellow human beings yeah. yeah they're people they're just farther away <laughs> yeah yeah and it goes with you know i notice stories that dehumanize children also dehumanize women so it's just all of these things are props to the male characters for them to have a storyline to tell whereas when you see them all as complex humans you get so much more interesting effects out of the whole story rather than just the man's story isn't that worse i imagine that male authors were once children i have no proof of this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I can assume that it is true. Certainly the ones that I know were, but they're telling <laughs> human stories too. <laughs> but like, how do you, I, I think this is a Terry Pratchett quote, Sarah, back me up here, that adults forget that they were once children. Yeah. I don't think that's specifically a Terry Pratchett quote, but I would believe it. It's about, you know, speaking to children like they're real people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I certainly, I like, I think about it all the time. Like, sometimes it blows my mind that these little people that live in my house <laughs> are one day going to be large people that live in their own houses. But you have to actively think about it, you know? They aren't the little babies that I remember anymore. They're autonomous thinking, emoting, sometimes overly emoting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the 
process. And I, I do think a lot of adults, especially... Well, not to be crude, but isn't that the difference between children and pets? Yeah. Pets you keep it, forever and you take yeah. care of forever. Yeah. But children you have to let go of. Yeah, they're they're not they're not trinkets. They're not props to your life. They're small people that you're trying to turn into big people, <laughs> um, which means protecting them from the stupid things that they do, but also preparing them to protect themselves from the world. And you can't prepare them for that without telling them how rough the world is in a way that their child minds can understand. That definitely came across in the dialogue in this book. I I really appreciated that. Yeah, that's how I started this with yeah, Caridwin. Yeah, I like writing Caridwin. She she was yeah. fun. I'm sorry for the things that I did to her. I don't think you have to apologize for the things that you did in this book, unless you do worse things to her well, in the next one. Yeah, that was ominous. Yeah. I mean, no, but like. We're in the spoiler section, right? She yes. sees yeah. her mother being attacked and nearly killed. Mm. Like, that's not... That's... I mean, I don't that's do... That's not easy for her. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't not... be easy for anyone. Yeah. But also, that that sentence that you said was very ominous. No, I was referring to Brightwash. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point, though. Cara Dwin has to experience the concept that her mother is not immortal. Which... Right. Is something that every child has to go through, but to go yeah, through it so really violently. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, she was really, she was, she was really gunning for having a family with in Yale's mirror with Toshway. And then she has to leave and face the fact that life doesn't go the way we want. You know, she was probably a happier person at the beginning of the book than she was at the end of the book. But I think that can be said for just about everyone. So, you know, equal opportunity objectification and equal (laughs) opportunity misery. Oh, I disagree. I don't think, well, less miserable, but not necessarily happier. I don't think those are the same scale. Yeah, that's fair. Like, that was the whole point of... Crystal, the whole point of your book is that Tashwe and Stella yeah. were not unhappy, but they certainly weren't happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I would I would say that in spite of the fact they're being separated, they've actually healed each other Yeah, more than a bit by the end. So, yeah, okay. You're, you're right. <laughs> not to reader-splain your book to you, but... <laughs> <laughs> They definitely feel more optimistic. Yeah, there's hope. Even though their situation is bleaker, there's more hope than there had been. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing, this is maybe a confession of how uncool I am with the book Legacy of the Brightwash, is I did have to ask what hashish was. Which which I find really interesting because, so... I'm not sure how clear we have made this through our podcast previously, but you have a lot more experience smoking than I do, right? Weed specifically, not weed, anything. <laughs> weed, weed specifically, sure, but I don't smoke, and yet, and maybe this is just because of what I have read previously, but I found the phrase hashish to not like I I knew the general implications of it even if I didn't know the specific weed connotations 
The unfortunate reality that I have discovered is that the first time you smoke a joint, it does not then also download all of the weed <laughs> slang into your mind. What? <laughs> it would be yeah. very helpful if it did. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go with the psilocybin if you're looking for downloading new information. <laughs> <laughs> so much of it is regional, too. I, I remember teasing... I don't think the teasing landed very well, but I attempted to tease Andrew Cartmel about his weed slang in his book as well. I don't think he understood was that, that, but. was that written on Dead Wax or something? Yes. Like that? That yeah. First? Yeah. yes. Yeah. That was a good episode. Everyone should go listen to that one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Really good episode. He, he, was our, he was our first guest and I really enjoy Andrew Cartmel. I mean, he's, he's a wonderful person and his books are really enjoyable. They're mystery and not fantasy, but they're great. Well, my weed slang joke landed very <laughs> flat at the time. Your, your <laughs> weed slang joke did not quite hit. <laughs> yeah, that, it's just a, I don't know. I live in a legal state, so I don't have to deal with slang ever. <laughs> I have yet to hear a question that I was supposed to answer. <laughs> No, this is words are weird. Yeah, okay. This is this right. is not specifically a, a question segment. Hey, Crystal, why did you come up with so many weird weed words? What's wrong with you? How's that? I guess I didn't realize that hashish was going to be a divisive issue among my readership. I just wanted to clarify to make sure I wasn't wrong. Yeah, that's fair. I knew that it was a weed thing. I didn't know the specifics of like what kind of weed and what it implied it's just more concentrated thc depending yeah. on how scientific we want to get with our conversation oh yeah don't don't <laughs> don't mess me up with science that's not fair I can do history, <laughs> but I can't do science. anyway that was my uh weed words are hard <laughs> there's too many of them i can't keep track sex words are also hard but less because you have to keep track and more because they're so loaded all of the time yeah <laughs> that's why i added sex words into the into the words are weird corner just because it was really easy to know what i was gonna say about say tashua's body <laughs> i'm trying to decide now if i should spill the beans there and what what i say but there's just this there's a lot of negative baggage when trying to decide which words to use for a female body, just because like all of, all of the slang has a lot of negative connotations that like hit you kind of viscerally. Like I wasn't really sure if I want to knock people like that, but then at the same time, any of the scientific proper words are not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I actually left it really vague and, unspecified and i'm kind of unsatisfied with how i handled it but i don't know you guys just read it so maybe you could tell if any of it worked or not i didn't find it particularly unsatisfying how you handled <laughs> that's really sex words yeah is it a euphemism <laughs> <laughs> no no i yeah but, but i thought i thought that you dealt with sex and both the male and the female bodies in a very egalitarian way. I don't know that I I did it in an egalitarian because I mean, I mean, Tashra gets to have his cock out, but then when when it's Stella, it's all vague. So right, but but that's because we see all of it from Tashra's perspective, and I didn't feel like 
you were shying away necessarily from showing it from Stella's perspective. Like most of the sex scenes were written from Stella's point of view. Well, you didn't use the word nether lips, so you got that going. <laughs> nether <for> you. lips. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm, I'm just that, you didn't know how good you did that's an instant pet peeve <laughs> I'm, I'm oh just, i have more you hate it i hate it i'm just saying that like i think overall you did good <laughs> you also that's did good. not use the phrase gash yeah that's, see, that's true too speaking of negative connotations yeah that one's just ugh. Well, There's nothing sexy there. No, I assume that whenever that's being used, they're using it to make you angry on purpose. I, like I don't, I don't think I've ever read that in a like pornographic scenario. I hope. Ugh. Ugh. Well, and, and then, <laughs> the the worst version is axe wound, <laughs> which is just a more like gross description of gash. Or yeah, see. <laughs> Yeah, see, we're never at risk of, of getting hit with a gash or an axe wound in a Matara novel. <laughs> but, you know, there's other stuff. Well, I have a weird comment. Clitoris. Yeah, how do you make that sexy? Yeah, it's very scientific, but also an important body part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you walk that line? Especially considering... Toshway has proven himself to not be a superhero, and he goes down <laughs> on Stella. <laughs> For context, <laughs> there was this thing going around on Twitter a couple of months ago where somebody at DC was talking about how it's nice to work with the supervillains, or not the supervillains, just the villains like Harley Quinn and stuff, because they could explore each other. Or they could sp- explore. <laughs> they, they could explore each other. Yes, they could. They could explore the characters giving each other oral sex because they were trying to do a storyline where Batman went down on Catwoman in one of the regular comments. And someone in the high up said, heroes don't do that. Oh, God. <laughs> and so a lot of Twitter was quite upset. <laughs> about mm-hmm. the implication that heroes don't do that. So anyway, Tosh was not a hero, and he does that. <laughs> and so, what do I say? <laughs> you know, because it's like, clitoris is not sexy, but it's an important part of making that so much fun. Clit is not sexy. Like, <laughs> So that's why I said sex weird. Sex words are weird and really hard because we want to know what he's doing. <laughs> but at the same time, there's tell us what he's doing but don't say it (laughs) right because yeah and how do you walk that line yeah (laughs) yeah it's a really hard line to walk is what i learned but it's nice to know that it worked out (laughs) from a reader's perspective (laughs) i did just read a really bad romance novel so not to diss you but I did have a very low bar. <laughs> yeah, maybe that helps me. All, all the all the wrong applications of sex words. Just it's a it's an easy bar to clear. Just dry wash at least not include the phrase kittenscaping. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, I almost want to put it in. <laughs> Don't you dare. Unless, oh, please, unless, please do. Wait, wait. unless you are trying to show 
a really yeah. awkward character who doesn't understand how to discuss adult <sighs> themes. And you're like, wow, look at this character. That or somebody like Ishmael making fun of someone. Yes. <laughs> he would. I, I want to hear I want to hear Ishmael talking about kittenscaping. <laughs> Sarah, what have you done? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, he's he's such a good carrier for something like that because there's almost nothing he can say that people won't forgive because he is so beloved of a character. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he would. <laughs> the tone matters though, right? I yeah. in the book that I read, the character using that phrase was the daring sexual one. And that was her <laughs> being daring and sexual. And it was just hard. Oh, God. It was yeah. hard. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't... If that if hard. I ever ask you about kittenscaping, you know that it's an imposter. Yeah. <laughs> or you're uh, making fun do, of me. Yeah. How do we tell that we've been kidnapped? Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. I, let's make a pact right now. If anyone yeah. ever DMs the other one with the phrase kittenscaping, that call the means cops. call the... Yeah, call the police. <laughs> right now. Can you tell us a little bit about your current projects? So, obviously, I've been working on the sequel to Legacy of the Brightwash, which will be Legacy of Brick and Bone. There's that book's horny. Holy. (laughs) Um, It's getting a little away from me at this point where I'm starting to wonder if it's too much. It's never never say that. Never say that. Never too much. I feel like even if it is too much, it's on uh-uh. brand that it's too uh-uh. much. It's, so, yeah. it's not too much. You realize what podcast you're on, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not too much. We want it all. Fiction so fans, the horny gang. Yep, yep. Equal opportunity objectification. There's Equal yes. opportunity objectification. We are horny for Brightwash. There's- not the river. Not into rivers. Are you sure about that? Yes. <laughs> I, I bet I bet the right person could make that sexy though. Like there's also a lot of dark shit. Yeah. In this book. Yeah, so that's the other half. That book's horny, but that book gets a little darker just because everyone's dealing with the fallout of what has gone on. So I'm leaving all the horny in to try to balance. <laughs> As you should. So there's a lot coming from you very soon. Yeah. Where can we follow you to find out about that on the internet? Mostly I'm on Twitter. So at Crystal Machar. I'm on Instagram again at Crystal Machar. But I drop all the best teasers on Twitter. So if you want to know what's coming, Twitter is the place to find me. And your website is also? I think I also have a website. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also have a website, just crystalmatar.com, where I have almost nothing, but also there's signed books available for sale there. So if you really like Brightwash, you can get a signed hardcover. So there. You, sh- you should buy a signed hardcover there. Yeah. yeah or all of the books with none of the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we get too far, I would like to thank you for coming on. And then release you from being on the record so that we're not recording anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
thank you very much for having me again. I hope I hope I get to c- keep coming back. Oh, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. There is there is no question about that. Like, Crystal, you're, you're going to be on again. I can yeah. guarantee it. You're stuck with us now. That's why I asked you after you've been drinking. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fiction Fans. Come disagree with us. We're on Twitter and Instagram at fictionfanspod. You can also email us at fictionfanspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us wherever your podcasts live. Thanks again for listening, and may your villains always be defeated. Bye. Bye!